Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today, I'm here with longtime friend, Mr. Ryan Kazmark, who is the Chief Operating Officer for PNB Capital Group. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing well. How are you, Adam? Ah, it's another day in paradise down here in South Florida. Um, I know that a lot of our audience might be familiar with you already, but for anybody who's new to the business or hasn't had the opportunity to meet you yet, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Sure. Uh, P&B Capital Group was founded by Sean Welch and I in 2004, March 2004. We're actually coming into our 19th, we just finished our 19th year. Um, we're planning a big fishing trip for our 20th year. So nice, but, uh, 20 years of business, quite, quite a landmark for us. Uh, it's been a long road. Um, you know, I have an undergraduate degree in, uh, business finance from Nazareth college. I have an MBA from Canisius, uh, Sean, my business partner and CFO has uh, a business degree from Stetson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started the company buying receivables. And we weren't servicing. We kind of got into the servicing about a year later in 2005. Uh, we had a lot of interest with outside debt owners and other clients, small banks looking for servicing. So we began uh, allowing them to bring the receivables in. We were servicing their receivables, and that became the cornerstone of the business. Uh, we do have another business that does buying, and we do service those receivables, but as a separate business right now. But my main, my primary focus is servicing. Uh, our clients make up right now. We have credit unions, small banks. We have debt buyers. Uh, right now, we're just broke into the commercial market. Merchant Cash Advance, we're servicing those now. Leases, uh, doing very well with those. Uh, we're, we're branching out. We are doing some Parents Plus loans. Uh, that's uh, non-federally subsidized student loans. Mm-hmm. Doing pretty well with that. Um, in this down economy, that's one of the things that is slipping downward, but we're making some adjustments to uh, to bring that back up again. Uh, so pretty much that that's it in a nutshell. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about like your role at PNB Capital? Like what are you focused sure. on day to day? Well, today, you know, uh, like we talked earlier, uh, working on SOC 2 audit. Um, mm-hmm. Should have that wrapped up here this month. but. I pretty much in point for every single process improvement that goes through IT department, which is probably 70% of the lifeblood of the company. Sure. So, and it, right now, things are growing so quickly. Things are changing so quickly. We're pushing towards AI this mm-hmm. year. Um, we're automating everything all the time. We're, we have so much automation, I'm losing track of it all. I have a, a log for all of this now. Um, but the more we can automate, the better we are. The less human involvement, the less human error, uh, the more I like schedules. I like things to happen at a certain time. I like frequencies. Um, my clients depend on that as well from a reporting standpoint, from a data standpoint. You know, we like to deliver that. So, you know, what we demand ourselves, it's also demanded from us, from our clients. Absolutely. And so, you know, Within the next couple of days, we're kind of wrapping up tax season, taxes are due. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you today was about strategies and and how those things may change based on the cyclical cycle of the year, right? Like tax season has always and historically been 
um, such a uh, an influential part of our seasonal cycle in the industry. You know, how do you look at some of your strategies and how do those change during tax season? Well, we have something called Regulation F, which has made it more challenging. Uh, seven contacts in seven days. So we can't really raise your dialing up, you know. List penetration strategies become more important. Um, right party contact rates, of course, are always important. But what we're, we're really focused on now is conversion rates. So right now we have a process and procedure to improve conversion rates. It's already been proven successful. We've been, we put this in place about 90 days ago. Uh, we've made some adjustments here for tax season. Uh, we have a process by which we have a, a representative working with a consumer on a telephone call and a right party contact. If they're unable to have a resolution, what we call one call resolution, it goes up through three tiers of management, the call does, before we mm -hmm. give up. So okay. we're able to raise our conversion rates with that because you know the premise being if you can't make more calls, the calls you do make have to improve in quality. And so we've been working on that diligently now for the last 120 days, made a lot of progress. A lot of that is what we're deploying here in the tax season. It just started, the first tax dump came out last week. Uh, we, our numbers are already up. We don't expect a giant tax season this year because we know the COVID money ended last year, all the subsidies. And so a lot of people that weren't working, uh, of course, their W-2 incomes are down. Their tax returns will also, therefore, be down. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going to see where this goes. But I'm optimistic that March still will be a good month simply because of our process improvements. Uh, we're doing uh, uh, more email lettering now than ever before. Just started that last year. So we have this giant email letter settlement campaign that we're running right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing more texting than we've ever done before. We're making uh, great improvements in that regard. Uh, we're doing interactive voice response stuff. We're getting back into that again. It was something we used to use back after the mortgage crisis in 2008, 9, and 10 with great success. We kind of abandoned that for a while, getting back into that again. Uh, that's, that's showing some success again. But a lot mm -hmm. of these, these different things we're deploying uh, more heavily during the tax season, and that's normal. Uh, mm -hmm. Hiring is up. Um, we've had struggles with that. I think every industry is struggling with that since COVID, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially up here in the Northeast, you know, we're, we're up here in West Seneca, New York, and we had a lot, real hard time finding quality candidates and getting them in our door. So we're, we're changing up a lot of things. We're thinking outside the box. We've even went so far as to, uh, we're, we have a, a corporate Uber account and, uh, if you can't <laughs> get to work, we are driving you to work. I'm not kidding. That is happening. And uh, we just rolled that out last month and it's working well. You know, when we were downtown, we're in West Seneca now. We used to be in downtown Buffalo for years. And mm -hmm. we had a lot of good employees that rode the bus every day. Good mm -hmm. people, hardworking, you know, what I call those, those people that punch in perfectly on the dot, take that exact 30-minute lunch, you know, great, great employees. Policy-following employees, people that stick to the, to, to the manual. Um, and we've kind of lost that being in West Seneca since there's not a bus route here. And so we're hoping that it, it, so far it's, it's looking like this Uber account's working out. Uh, from a, you know, we use Indeed, of course. We use a lot of different platforms, Indeed being the central part. Um, we are using a, we're putting up signs around town now. 
and we're mm -hmm. also uh, we have a, a, a QR code flyer that we're deploying out to mailboxes in the West Seneca area. Mm. Um, and we're getting some people from that, actually. Um, we're finding that grandmothers and grandfathers, we have a, a mean average age in West Seneca, uh, I think it's 61. And these okay. grandparents, <laughs> these unemployed grand, grandkids, are taking the flyers and then giving them to their grandkids, and, and we're getting them to call in. And it's You're finding opportunities. That's creative. <laughs> We're, we're, we're mining, you know, we're mining, we're finding new resources to mine these, these, you know, these assets from. So you have to, we have to think outside the box and, you know, just relying on Indeed and, uh, you know, the Buffalo News and, and all these other resources just hasn't been good enough in the last 24 months um, since we, people got back to work after the COVID shutdown. And, you know, we have to think outside the box. So. We're doing is that it all focused locally, meaning like are, are all of your employees um, on site or, or are you still in any kind of a hybrid or remote? All know, on site. Uh, uh, we on -site. believe in data security. We don't like, I mean, when we were in a remote setup, we had to set up a camera. They had to have a room that was lockable and all this. Tough to manage. Mm -hmm. uh, we have clients that didn't like that model. They still don't. Uh, it's, it's easier for me to just say, hey, we're not deploying that model. <laughs> They're happy with that. Um, so we don't deploy that model. I mean, if we're forced to do that again, if we have some other shutdown, we have the technology to do it. We already blazed the trail. I could turn the switch and do it again. Uh, do I want to do it again? No, I do not. But, uh, you know, I like people coming to work every day. They work harder. We had a hard time with, with motivation, mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, we had people that veterans of ours that were goal hitters, consistently goal hitters. You could count on them falling below goal because, and I don't know about you, but I worked from home before and not that I have a problem with motivation, but, you know, it changes your mentality. You don't have that same laser sharp edge, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do when you're in the office, at least to me. And I think a lot of people are the same way. If they're not at work, they're not giving 100%. So I think we're getting 100% when they're here because I have a great management core. We have a great system in place. And we're, we're, you know, we're pulling every single bit of productivity out of them as we can. Mm -hmm. It's just harder to do that when they're in their own homes. Uh, even with well, all when everybody's family. remote and they don't have that person to person interaction, right? Yeah, like if, you, if you're exactly. not having, and you can't learn from your coworkers right. because I'm sure your top perform, like your new people are learning from top performers just through osmosis sitting next to each other. Like when I first Absolutely. came into the industry, Ed Forbes was my boss and he literally dragged the desk into his office and was like, you sit here and you listen. Like That's your job right now. Just shut up and listen. Um, and that was really, it, it was incredible for me because it gave me the opportunity to listen to one of the best guys I've ever heard on the phone, listen right. to how he was doing it, how he was announcing himself, how he was getting past gatekeepers, right? Like all the different things that he was doing in order to be successful on the phone. I learned through osmosis, but you can't do that in a remote environment. No, it's a vacuum. It's really hard. I mean, we, we did some Zoom meetings where everyone got together and that yeah. helps a little bit, but it's just not the same. You know, no. my kids were telling me the same thing as they were, you know, doing the Zoom school. I'm sure your kids mm -hmm. were too. And hearing all these different challenges and problems with that. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, and you have <laughs> some people in government saying, let's make this permanent. No, let's not. <laughs> Don't like this. Uh, not good. But uh, I'm just glad we're out of it. I feel like we're back on a good pace again. Uh, the economic climate isn't good, but, I, you know, like I said before, 
few minutes ago, we're deploying some some things that are enabling us to slice through this relatively well, mm -hmm. and we we will continue to do from so. An, from an from an economic standpoint, I mean, what I'm starting to see is that. As this marketplace continues to change, I think we're going to see a rise in delinquencies, and you can already see that. If you look at the vintage reports, if you look at the um, – we had a keynote at RMAI this year that came from TransUnion. It was one of the like the real deep data guys, and he started walking us through all these different changes that he's seeing in the marketplace in terms of the rise of delinquencies, the rise of vintage product delinquencies, and, and how all that starts to break down, which yeah. I found to be incredibly interesting interesting but it also is a little bit alarming because if we're going to see these um this rise in delinquencies i think we're going to see a rise in product across the industry as well but yep. less collectability on that higher volume of product i don't know that we're going to see 2008 levels of drama again right. um, i don't know that that's necessarily in the cards i hope not um, but, you know, but if you start looking at if, even, for example, the auto market and you consider that CarMax and Carvana own, I forget what the number is. I want to say it's about 400,000 vehicles and they're both kind of uh, in dire financial performance. If those vehicles hit the market, you're going to see problems. And we're even starting to see some changes in rent. And it, I was reading an article earlier um, that was talking about kind of the changes in the inventory across the country. So when things started to improve, and even during COVID, there was a lot of construction in Miami. And now all of these apartments are going to start to hit the marketplace and potentially depress rental values, right? And for those that bought at the peak of values, we're going to start seeing more challenges. So I do think we're going to see a lot more volume kind of hit the marketplace, but I wonder if our, if we're going to be able to manage that volume. It'll be interesting. I mean, we, we somehow did it in 2008, 9, and 10. I remember what a challenge that was. Mm -hmm. um, the volumes were astronomical and I was turning clients away. I really was. Yeah. I couldn't take any more. Um, people begging and uh, it was tough and we took on way more than we should mm -hmm. uh, we brought in our, our we have an A, B and C process you know we were using our C process which is full automation, full predictive dial out by an IVR message blast like I was interactive voice response like I was, I was talking about earlier, we're getting back into that again, deployed that heavily through those years, we had to to get through the volumes mm -hmm. um, you know, and I just had this conversation with a couple of my clients last week is that converse relationship between volume and liquidity, right? And it's tough sure. to explain to some people. So and it's not mm -hmm. just because there's more out there, it's the quality, right? The profile, the person has changed. Their disposable income is different now. And so it's not that they're per it's a bad person, but now that they have lower disposable income, the quality of that account has come down. It's just that that relationship holds true. When volumes come up, liquidity comes on. It's just the way it is. And I, I had to have this, had this talk several times already over the last couple of weeks with a few clients because, you know, as their volumes come up and they were, we're servicing, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm preparing them for the fact that once the tax season's over, that it's unlikely we're going to be able to hold the same liquidity level we had in 2022. I'm anticipating that already. You know, from May, June, July, August, I see it dipping down and I'm preparing them for that. Uh, just letting you know that, that is normal. It's not because our work efforts have changed. It's not because we've changed any process or procedure. It's simply because of the situation we're in right now. That's it. So, well, I think the 
the economy is going to drive a lot of this, right? And, and kind of right. where we fall from an economic standpoint will drive the volume and liquidity of the paper and also the availability of employees, right? right. Um, so if we start to see this rise in the, deli- as we're seeing a rise in delinquencies and we start to see a rise in charge-offs, I think you're going to see a rise in the number of people that are actually looking for the jobs. So those that were, you know, th- when the when the grandmother's handing them the flyer, you know, they, right. they may be a little bit more motivated um, in that type of an economy. And hopefully that will drive jobs numbers and, and ultimately drive our economy out of the recession that we're in and reduce inflation at some point. But that's a, right. a different problem for a different day. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Ryan, I really appreciate you coming on and having this chat with me today. I always appreciate an opportunity for us to connect and chat a little bit. It sounds like you guys have a lot of different things that you're doing um, from a tax season perspective and providing those insights to the industry, I think is a really important part of the process. For those of you that are watching, if you have additional questions that you'd like to ask Ryan or myself, you can leave those in the comments below here on LinkedIn and YouTube, and we'll be happy to continue to, uh, to answer any questions. If you have additional questions you'd like to ask us or topics you'd like to see us cover, you can leave those in the comments below as well. And I bet you I can convince Ryan to come back on and continue creating great content for a great industry with me. Um, But until next time, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today and having a chat with me. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, this was fun, Adam. And uh, anytime you're you're in town here and you want to get a bite to eat, we'd love to have you. Um, I know this is a good time here if you're coming up here to the Buffalo area, but... uh, (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe May, June, uh, things do get quite hot down here. Believe it or not, people don't realize how humid it is up up, up here in the summertime. But uh, quite, a, quite a drastic change uh, we undergo. We're about to hit that next month. So can't wait, actually. Uh, we've had that sounds like my kind of weather. We've had record accumulation this year at Snowfall. I don't know if you've seen that. We've had wow. two storms. Two storms. Uh, both were over five feet in, deep in snow we were within 20 hours i've had to pay you know we own the building we're in and uh so we have large parking lots and we we own the plaza i had to pay to have the snow trucked out not a cheap thing loaders bobcats skidsters (laughs) two times not just once twice and we've owned this place now for eight years and i've only had to do it one other time in eight years i had to do it twice this year <laughs> so that, wow. that tells you where we are for, for our winter this year. But, oh, uh, man. As a Boston boy, I can tell you I can appreciate the challenges as a longtime Florida resident. I'm going to stay right here during the winter. <laughs> no, I, there's a lot about Florida I like. <laughs> the summers, you know, the, the weather's one of them for sure, but there's a lot of good things in Florida. Fair enough. Well, for those of you that are watching, thank you again for your time and attention today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks, Adam.